0: Have a great, great day. Have fun. Learn. <laughs> I think I'll come down here with y'all. How's that? Let's see better. I can spit on you, which I'm not a spitter. Break it up, guys! Break it up! Break it up! <laughs> Lance and Monica, are, our greatest—some of our greatest friends—are here, and so we love it when we get to see you guys. It's always a surprise. I mean, it's the baby, though. No offense. <laughs> Shelby back there, she's getting big. Yep. Well, man, I just wanted—who was here Friday? There was only a couple of us here Friday: Benny, Kyle, me, and Nicole and Nick and Monty. Yeah, about six. There was. Um, maybe about 35 or 40 of us here Friday that did the communion, and man, we just had a good time. We had prayer for families, breakthrough. What, what we did was we took communion, and then we, we went to every family, and we asked what the greatest need, what the greatest thing they wanted from God, and uh, so we got to minister. It was really good. Tilly was there as well, and um, so we just, we're not, we don't have time to do the, what we did Friday, and we, we took our time, but I just want to pray over everyone here and so, um, find someone close to you. Just put your hand, hold hands, put your hand on their shoulder. And we're just going to ask for God to meet the greatest need in our life. Just meet the greatest need in our life. Wherever we need breakthrough, we're putting a target on that. God, we ask for you to give us breakthrough. We're asking you to give us what you already have set aside for us. We are aligning our hearts and our hearts and our passions with yours right now. We want what you want for us, God. We ask you to break through in our lives. We ask that this would be a new season. We ask that 2014 will be a better year. We ask that things that we've battled in a seeming cycle, seemingly in a cycle, we ask that it would end now, and that 2014 we can go into new territory. Amen. Amen. We pray over the bridge church, God. We say the same thing for the bridge church. It's been about 40 years in the desert for this church. We're ready to enter the promised land. We're ready. And we know that, that as we do that, the manna will dry up and it's time for us to work and get our own food. So we, we speak that over the bridge that it's time to grow up. It's time to work in vineyards. It's time to build homes, add on to homes. We declare that over this church. We declare that over every family here. It will be a new season. New season, amen? If you want to open your Bible, there's a few scriptures we'll read, but um, we'll start in Hebrews. So if you want to open to Hebrews 12, Hebrews 3, there'll be two places that we'll read. Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 3, and then we'll also be reading from Psalm 78. All right. Well, Lord, we just ask that you would bless this time. We ask that you'd give, uh, give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. We ask that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we may know you better. Why don't you say that with me? God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. Amen. Now it was November eleventh when the Lord dropped this, this prophetic word in my heart for the church, and He said that He was going to give us this, He was giving us scales so that we can weigh the importance of things and we can decide what's valuable and what's not valuable. Remember, we've talked about that a few times, and so the Lord's really been talking to me through that. Um, that this is real; it's really an important word for our church. It's it's vital for where we're going. And so, um, let me just put a plug in. January nineteenth will be our Vision Sunday. I, I think I'll hit on it, but um, don't miss that Sunday. And, and you know, everyone that's part of this church should be here. Everyone calls us their home; um, should be here. We're going to outline the next three years of our church, how we're literally going to operate as a church. It's not going to be like I've done in the past, where we hope to do this, or we dream, this is what we hope we become. It's going to be a literal. This is what we are doing, and this is where we will be in six months, in a year, and in three years from now. What we're what we're wanting to really do is just turn. Uh, I I love the culture of our church, and, and I I love what I mean by that is when people come here, we ask them. How, you know, did you enjoy the service? Or And they always say, everyone was so friendly and you could feel the presence of God, and we just felt comfortable and at home. We felt like that anyone could come to church here, and we hear that all the time. And so that's absolutely what we've been going for all along. We want a culture where everyone's welcome, everyone feels connected. Now we need to take it even further. And we need that to be in, in beyond just Sunday morning. You know, I... I wrote this in my notes uh, for some of our leaders, and, and I was like, you know, the, the Lord's really talking to me to tell the church that the bridge is here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. It's not this place, It's not like Neverland that just appears on Sunday, and we all show up, and we come to church, and we experience the presence of God, and then we go home, and it like disappears. And then we come back the next Sunday, and it appears again. The bridge is here. It's a living, active organism. It is alive Monday through Sunday. It's, it's here all week long. And so we've really got to shift our thinking from it being a Sunday morning church. I don't mean we're going to have church every day of the week, and we're going to add all these services. That's not what I mean. Because, again, <laughs> some of you would love that. <laughs> we would, I'll just give you keys, and you can... <laughs> At our other church, we had a prayer chapel that had a code that you could enter in that was separate from anywhere in the church, and you could go anytime you wanted, and there was no way you could get into the rest of the church. I think some of our gentlemen in this room had many a naps in that room. (laughs) I was one of them. Five o'clock prayer meetings, and oh my Lord, the old men tried to kill us, young guys. Get here at 5 a.m., we're going to pray. Sure, we'll be there. (laughs) I think I made it two, two or three times. It's just not a, uh, so maybe we can build something like that in the future where you can just come up here and pray anytime you want. But the bridge, we have to change the way we think about this church. And you have to think about it during the week. Like, the, the bridge has to be in your consciousness. It just does. Because I I think if I ask everyone here, you would probably agree with this, that nothing would would break your heart more than to, to look back over your life and the Lord say, you could have done this if you would have done that. Yes, exactly. If you would have just made an adjustment here, look what could have. And I don't think the Lord will do that to us and break our hearts. You know, I don't think he's like that. But I know that I don't want to look back over a year or five years or ten years and go, man, I really wish you would have just done something a little bit more. I wish I would have given a little bit more to that and that's where we're at we're weighing what's really important we talk about winning our city but let's just go back our our families need to be have they need to have breakthrough in every way and, i mean it abs- amen it's true like it has to start in our own home and that's why we wrote our vision the way we did that we want to host his presence and the way we'll do it is we'll host him in our homes first thing we put on their homes is homes We'll host him in our homes and then we'll host him in our church, then our community. And then we want to be part of what he's doing on the whole earth. Right. Amen. But it starts in the house. Mm-hmm. And so we're really wanting to we're going to change the way we communicate things because you're all ministers. You're not partakers only of the gospel. Amen. Exactly. You are also ministers. You are administers of the gospel, okay. which means, yes, you can partake. But everything you take is for a purpose and you give it right back out. It's just the way it works. So I feel like you're gonna you're gonna begin to feel the weight of this. It's not a bad weight. The the Bible describes the glory of God as the weightiness of God. So we kind of throw off things that seem heavy. When, when something gets too serious or too heavy or there's a, a the weight of responsibility on it, sometimes we just want to throw it away. I don't want the weight of that. But it's okay to carry the weight of responsibility of the glory of God. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's, His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So the Lord is going to really begin to challenge everyone here to... to to find out what's really valuable, and then once we des- decide and determine in our heart what's really valuable, what's going to happen is we're going to we're going to have hearts to pursue only things that are valuable, and we're going to turn from worthless things. I believe this so much that I, I'm I'm going to. Get scales, and we're going to have someone paint a prophetic picture of, of the scales and weighing the balance, so that you see it every time you come here. So that you see it on our website, you see the picture of the scales, just to get us to thinking about what's really important. <clears throat> In Hebrews twelve, let's let's go through this. We'll be pretty quick, but I just there's a, a, a thought that's very important here. Hebrews twelve verses one through three. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that would so easily entangle us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How many want to be an endurance runner? I do. I I used to be. I'm not anymore. I think my endurance is like from here to the back door, and I'm good. (laughs) It's not even 20 yards, Oh, man. But he wants us to be endurance runners in the kingdom. Can I can I in, in, in interject something here? It's very important that you understand that it doesn't mean, like, you can do the things that God wants you to do, and you can pursue the kingdom, and not leave behind things that are important to you that are earthly. Your family, your kids, time with your family... Do you think God wants you to sacrifice time with your family to have time with your Christian family? Think about it for a minute. Now, here's the thing. So we could, we could go wrong either way. I don't re- regret at all the way I was raised, but our church family was really our family, and it came first. It came before a lot of birthday parties. It came before a lot of things. It was church first. I don't regret that because I know that my family was raising me to be who I was supposed to be. It's who we are. We're Pattersons. That's what we do. That's just how we are. But as a family, that's a terrible way for me to do life with my family. So I have to learn to balance in the scales the importance of church family and my family. And, and here's, here's what I'm learning. If I can't be a minister and, and, and help my home be healthy, then how in the world could I stand in a church and have a church body that's healthy if i can't minister to my wife first then how can i how can i give my best to you and not give my best to my family it's perverted it's perverted for me as a minister to get up here and give prophetic declarations and to tell you what god is telling me and not share those things with my wife it's perversion so the lord's saying To all of us. This this is a thing that that Manny and I have discussed this. Like, no, my best needs to go to my wife. My best needs to go to my children. The best sermons that I ever preach or lessons I ever teach should be done in my kid's bedroom when I put them to bed. So I don't sacrifice the, the body of Christ for my family, but I don't sacrifice my family for the body of Christ. There is a way to do both. You can have both. Like, the kingdom is this amazing thing where... Yeah, you have to determine value on things, but then all of a sudden sometimes when you make that decision of what's valuable, he gives you both things anyway. It's the craziest thing. like you would think like God puts before you two choices and you have to determine okay, which which one of these is really the most important. Like okay, definitely this one. You choose that and then God says, "Because you chose well, I'm going to give you both." I don't know why, and we can't trick him. <laughs> oh, we try to trick God. It's like Solomon Solomon knew the, the, the scripture says that he says, when I was just a small child and I was sitting on the knee of my father, he was whispering in my ear, get wisdom, get understanding and all you're pursuing, find wisdom. So when Solomon was a little baby, his dad was telling him what was valuable, wisdom. Wisdom is the beginning of knowledge. It's the fear fear of the Lord's beginning of knowledge. His father was teaching him. So fast forward and and the angel comes to Solomon and says, I'll give you anything you want. Solomon didn't have to decide what's valuable. He already knew, whoa, my dad's been teaching me since before I could walk that wisdom is what I need. So he knew what to ask God for. And so he says, God, I want wisdom. I want to know how how to govern the people with wisdom. And God says, man, you've asked for a really honorable thing. Because you ask for the right thing, I'm going to give you everything else too. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you kingdoms. So there's this thing of, we, we pervert, we pervert the, the, if any man comes after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. We have perverted that through the years to where we says well, you've got to forsake everything else and only be unto the Lord. Did you know that your heart can be only unto the Lord, yet you're still alive in the world doing stuff? (laughs) It's important that you're good and you work hard and that you take care of your family. Because if your heart is unto the Lord, all those things are done unto the Lord. It's just true. Being a father is worship unto the Lord. You know why? Because you're showing your children who God is. I love what Danny's been, he's been tweeting this lately, and I don't know if I can even say it. He's like, wouldn't it be wonderful, won't it be wonderful when our kids grow up and they say, you know how we knew God? Because we saw Him in our parents. We saw Him demonstrated in our home. That's, that's what we're going for. So you can have all of this. The, we've talked about this so much, and I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get back to what I was on. But we, we talk about, for narrow is the way, and narrow is the gate that leads into the kingdom, and few find it. But you've got to get the picture. It's like, yeah, it's a narrowing process for me to really decide what's valuable. But I, once you decide what's valuable, you enter into the kingdom, and there are no limits in the kingdom. Seek first, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first. Do that first, and you enter into the kingdom. And now everything you ever wanted is available to you. Everything. Your family. The marriage that you've always wanted. The job that you've always wanted. It's available. That doesn't mean that we don't have to go seek these things out. It doesn't mean that we don't have to pursue them. I love the thought that, that Bill's been preaching this for years, that the things that we need in life, God brings to us. But the things that we really want, we have to go after those things. So God's saying, hey, lay aside every weight. Lay it aside. He did. Some of us are going to go through a season where we have to lay some things aside, and it's going to hurt. It's, it is. It's going to hurt. I'm not going to lie to you. You know what I'm talking about. When you have to lay something aside, it hurts, but... Sometimes that's for a season, and, and he brings us to that place of, oh man, I'm totally dependent upon you. And then he's like, okay, here, you can have this, you can have this, you can, and he adds back to us. Because he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. So he says, run with endurance. Throw off everything. Find out what's valuable, and only carry that on the journey. And then he says, fix your eyes intently upon Jesus. Why don't y'all say that with me? Fix my eyes on Jesus. And then it says, He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I love this. This wrecked me Friday at our, at our uh, um, we, we, I read this, I didn't read this, but I was praying with Mandy, we were taking communion, and the Lord brought this scripture to mind. And it just wrecked me, this verse right here. It says, For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. Enduring the shame And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And all I could think about was in communion, I was like, he thought so much of our relationship that he was like, okay, I'll go to the cross. What we have together, our relationship, the intimacy that we share, is so valuable that I'm willing to suffer here because of what's before me. So he's saying, fix your eyes on Jesus. This is the man who thinks that you're so worth it, that he gave his life up as a ransom. Amen? Say fixing our eyes on him one more time. <laughs> There's something that happens when we look at real beauty. When you see something really beautiful, it sets the standard of what's really valuable and beautiful. Yeah? And you can have like the, the greatest work of art in front of you and then something that's just not very well done. And all of a sudden your value for art is Easily outlined. Oh, mm-hmm. well, this is amazing art. Look at the colors. Look at the shading. Look at the, the textures to this art piece. And you look at something over here, you're like, ah, oh, it's just a coloring page. It's easy. It sets, when you see something really beautiful and really valuable, it sets a standard that now everything else has to be measured by the standard. Yeah. So you and I have to come to this place, and this is a great time to do it, to, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to really look at him as the beautiful one. So that it sets the standard of what's really beautiful and valuable in our lives. If I'm looking at Him and I see how valuable, how wonderful He is, it will be impossible for me to not look at everything in my life and compare it to the beauty and value that He has. It's the scales. So when we look at Him, we know what's really valuable. It's easy to lay aside things that aren't worth it. It's true. You guys Okay. And once we see Him, we hear Him. Amen? And when we hear Him, there's a response required. Love has to look like something. You've been hearing that. I can say I love, but I have to show my love. I have to demonstrate my love. In Hebrews 3, It says, so the Holy Spirit says, Hebrews 3 verse 7, <coughs> excuse me, it says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me and tried me, Through four, uh, though for 40 years they saw what I did, that I was angry with what that generation, with, I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. They don't know my ways. All right, so we're going to tie everything up here, all right? So we see him, we, di- we discover what re- really is valuable, and we begin to weigh things. We hear his voice, and there's a response that's required. There's an action that comes with our feelings for him. So in this scripture, he says that there was a rebellion that they went through, that there was a sin, there was a problem that they had. So what was their rebellion and what was their sin? It's in Psalm 78, it tells what it is. I want to read it, Psalm 78, uh, verses 8 through, I'll read some of these, I'll tell you what verses they are. So Psalm 78, verse 8, it says, and, and do not be like their fathers. They were a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart. And there were those who, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And here's what their sin was, verse 11. They forgot his deeds and his miracles that he showed them. They forgot. So what's the point of everything I'm saying? I've, I've heard the Lord say this to me lately. He wants me to notice him. Do you see me? I mean, have your kids ever do something like, Hey, did you see that dad? No, I did not see that. I was in the other room. I don't have x-ray vision. Well, come here. I'll do it again so you can see what I just did. Did you see that? And I hear, I hear God. Because how many, how many dads in the room, sometimes you like to be seen? As a dad. Like when you work really hard. <laughs> as a dad, it's true. We want, we want to be seen. We want to be appreciated as, as men, as fathers, Am I telling the truth, men? Yes. It's we don't talk about it. We won't like write it in cards and tell them I wish you would appreciate me and see me. But there's that thing inside of every father. We want our kids to look at us and be like, Man, I noticed what you did there. I, I had a great time talking with I don't want to, you know, draw attention to you, Stephen, sorry, but he's talking about his dad and his dad's going through a physical thing, so we just pray for healing and longer life for his dad. And uh Stephen's telling me about how his dad was growing up, and how he provided, and how he was a hard worker, and how he did whatever. And it's it was a son saying, "Dad, I noticed you. I saw what you did. I saw the sacrifices you made for all his kids. I saw how hard, how tired you were, and you played anyway. I saw when your knees were destroyed and you wrestled on the floor when you didn't want to. That's mine." <laughs> That's <laughs> I, I noticed what you did, Dad, and it mattered to me. It matters to me. It was awesome. And God's the same way. He like, I do all this stuff. I just want you to notice me. I just want you to look in my direction and say, I saw you. I, I noticed that. I love that when, when you do something for your kids and they just acknowledge it. You didn't tell them to. They just do it. And that feels so good? Hey, thanks, Dad, for doing that. I know you didn't have to, and I know you did it because you wanted to. God is in this season. He's wanting us to notice Him. He's wanting us to see Him. And and so the Lord's really begin to challenge me. And and I talk about me because I'm up here. If you're up here, you can talk about you. So I apologize for telling my stories. But something that's been happening to... to how many of you have noticed how amazing the sunsets are in Texas? I know. Dude, we have the most beautiful sunsets. They. The, I don't usually see those. But the, the sunsets are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think I saw a sunrise one time. <laughs> yeah, you were up all night. That's the only reason you saw it. <laughs> but the sunsets are so, the colors, the, the beauty of them. Oh, it's, uh, and so, you know what I've been doing? I was like, God, you're such a good artist. I noticed what you did. I know some of you, you capture it. Belinda captures it and puts it on Facebook. Look what God did for us tonight. The sunset and how beautiful it was. that that's saying, God, I noticed what you did. I noticed how you painted that for me. And the Lord does, he just litters our life with things that he does just, just to see if we notice. Just to see if we notice, to see if we say thank you. No, that's not why he's doing it. Just to see if we notice. Just to see. I told the crazy story of one week I had like, I got like five or six free coffees from Starbucks, which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah. I might see a sunrise if I did that. <laughs> But it was as crazy as I pulled in behind someone who was leaving a tip and they dropped it on the ground. No one could reach it. My car was low. I was the next person on. I could get it. I handed them the tip. And they go, oh, thanks. We'll just give you a free coffee. I'm like, I was just in line, but the Lord did that for me. And he's like, did you notice? Did you see me? So I've been trying really hard to steward those things. Like when he does it, man, I did see that, God. I did see when you sent me that check in the mail. I, I don't take it for granted, God. I did see the sky that you painted. I saw I saw that hawk that you let land on my tree. I have this thing with wildlife. I love wildlife. Not pets, but wildlife. <laughs> I do I just I, I love to see hawks and, and deer and wild pigs and whatever it is. And so with within a, a week and a half or so, I drive in my driveway and there's a beautiful hawk that swoops down or as I'm driving in the driveway. The timing of things. Yes. Swoops over my car and sits in my tree. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm taking pictures of the hawk. And the Lord did it just for me because he knows. Exactly. A few weeks back, we're driving through the neighborhood. And this hawk swoops down and gets a squirrel, which was great. I love seeing that. <laughs> swoops down, grabs a squirrel. And then he's like g- grabbing it with his talons and pulling up on it. You can see them when they grab and they stand on their tippy toes and they're ripping it apart. Isn't that awesome? But I got to sit, and, and we sat there with my whole family in our car, and we watched for like 20 minutes. <laughs> like, this is so cool. <laughs> oh, come on. You've hit more squirrels with your car. <laughs> it was awesome, the muscles in it. And I was like, God, thank you. And I, I'm like a little kid with this stuff. I'm like, babe, did you know, I mean, think of all the things that had to line up, because I'm a strategist. And I think of all the things God had to line up in my day to get me at the corner of the street at that moment. And he did it for me. As I was doing my own life, picking my kids up from school and doing all the things I was doing, he set me up just for me. And he's like, did you notice? I'm like, oh, I noticed that hawk. It was so beautiful. Two Sundays ago, I'm just telling stories. Get off if you don't know the story, you have to know the story. it's unbelievable. So Saturday night we have fire before because church got canceled, and, and so we we're up and we we're having a, uh, a fire, and I didn't close the the damper, right or whatever it's called. Yeah. So we go to bed we're going to sleep in a little bit, so it's around seven thirty maybe or so, and um, our boys come running up into our room, and they do this sometimes they're trying to play jokes on us or whatever, but they're like, "Dad, there's an owl in our house I'm like. All right, I'm half asleep, actually sleeping in. Um, I think they're joking. They're like, no, seriously, we went downstairs, and it turned its whole head around and looked at us. And so we were scared, and we ran upstairs to tell you. I was like, okay. They're not lying, but I don't feel like getting out of bed yet. <laughs> they are so telling the truth. So I lay, lay there, and I'm not really asleep. I'm just laying there. It's just nice. It's quiet. They're in the room scared. <laughs> So, Mandy, in the corner of our room, we have a mirror by one of our closets, and there's this decorative thing with tree branches, I don't know, and it's it, her jewelry and necklaces and stuff hang on it. So I'm laying there in bed, the next thing I know, I feel something come in the room, my eyes are closed, I feel a presence come in the room, and I look, and this owl flies into my bedroom and lands over there where Mandy's jewelry is, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they are not lying. I'm, <laughs> there's a stinking owl in my house, and it's beautiful. And so Mandy jumps out of bed and runs out of the room, and I pull the covers over my head. (laughs) I don't want him pooping on me. I don't want him landing on my head. So I'm like this, and I'm like, slowly pull the covers out, and he flew and lands on the window right by my bed, right next to me. And all I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is really cool. God, I noticed this. (laughs) I noticed there is a beautiful owl, and it's probably about, I should, should have put pictures, it's probably about 10 inches to a foot tall, just a cute little owl, and he's looking at me, and so I pull my phone out, and I'm snapping pictures, and hey, look at this thing, I'm trying to, and I get my flashlight and get him to turn at me, and he's all like, I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? So I'm like, how do I get this thing out of the house now, right? So I get out of bed, armed with a pillow and a lightsaber. <laughs> Because that's how we fight these days. So I, I stand and get really big and get him to fly out of my room. And Kyle came over, and they opened our front door, which is right at the bottom of our stairs. And I'm like, if I can just get him out of our room, he will fly down the stairs and straight out the house. I know, it'll work. It's a strategy, you know. So I get up, and he flies, and he lands on the light that's in our hallway. I'm like, oh, great. Now I've got to, like, really get him to, to see there's a way out. So anyway, I'm getting him with the lightsaber. He swoops down the stairs, scares Kyle half to death because I don't think he was ready. <laughs> and here comes this owl, whoo, right by Kyle, right by Mandy, out the front door and up into the trees across the street as a neighbor's walking by with his dog. What do you say? <laughs> he say? He was and was that an owl? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? It's like early 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Was that an owl flying out of your house? Yep, it was. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But what you don't understand is the Lord did that for us. We, we, we love the thought of owl representing the prophetic. And what you don't know is that whole week, Mandy and I had just had some really raw and honest conversations with the Lord. We're like, man, we just, we just need to know something. We need a sign about, you know, some things that we're praying about. And so he sends an owl into my house. How many, how many times in my life or any, how many of us in this have ever had an owl in your home? Or seen an owl, even in your neighborhood. We've heard them in ours, but... An owl in my house. I, this, I have a history with owls. I, I don't, we're stand, Mark, Amber, and I are standing on the front of the church. And we're talking about how we want a prophetic culture. And an owl literally flies over our heads into the trees in this neighborhood about three years ago. I'm nine, 18, 19 years old. And I jump a ramp... In Irving, if you, if you live in Irving, <laughs> there used to be a railroad track by our church that was really pretty high, and if you were going faster than what was posted, you could get some air, <laughs> and some fun air. It was really good. So I had it, it was an Isuzu Trooper, so it was kind of an SUV, and so one night I'm driving home, and I just I'm hit it, and I jump, and I land, and I drive at the bottom, and as I do, something falls out of the tree, hits my windshield, and lands on the ground, I'm like, oh my God, I just killed something, I don't know what it was. So I pull over, go back, guess what it is? It's an owl. It's a little owl. Yeah, that that might have done a lot of damage. It was a little bitty owl, maybe six inches tall, and he's just laying there on the street. I'm like, oh, God, I just killed an owl. So I pick it up. I'm like, you resuscitate an owl? I I don't know. (laughs) What do you do? Anyway, so I called the number. Anyway, the thing came back to life. I just knocked it out, and it flew off, and it was fine. But the Lord does these weird things with animals. For me to see if these stories are for a reason this is not story time with jared the lord has done this stuff just because he knows i love it and he he wants me to notice him i see deer all the time i saw a deer down division street out in the fields right before you get to whatever that is down there a deer in the city I'm like, why did you do that? Because you want to. For me, God, I noticed. Yeah. What, are your, what are those things that you have with God? Do, do you notice? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I really want to hear this song. And boom, it comes on the radio. And have stuff like that happen? Yeah. yeah, some people like that. You love music. And you just think it's, it's like your jukebox. And he's your DJ in heaven. He's like, I'll play that one for you. And he puts it on. <laughs> There's just these things that God does because he wants us to notice him. He wants to be noticed. And so here's what I'm asking. you. This is what I've been doing. I just, when something like that happens or when I feel his presence or when something, you know, catches my attention it's God, I'm like, I notice you, God. Just stop. I notice you. I see. I heard what you just said. That was really cool. I heard that phrase six times today, God. I know you're trying to tell me something, and I noticed. I'll write it down until you tell me what it means. I had a dream last night. Okay, God, I'm going to write this dream down until you tell me what it means. I noticed you were talking to me while I was asleep. I'm going to write my dreams down. Just noticing him. I noticed you, God. You matter. You're a father, and what you do matters. You provide for me. You do so many good things. You're the rewarder, and it matters. And I'm not forgetful. I'm not going to commit the sin of forgetting what you're doing. I'm not going to do what, what you talked about in Psalm 78. They've forgotten the miracles. They forgot the signs and wonders. They forgot how he delivered them over and over and over again. He just wants to be noticed. We see you, God. We, let's just tell him that. We, we notice you, God. You do matter, you're not out of sight, out of mind. You know, I really feel that strong. God, you're not out of sight, out of mind. We aren't too busy for you. I just hear him saying he's... Reversing that old saying that says, Absence makes the heart grow fonder and he he wants it he wants it to be said, closeness makes the heart grow fonder. Nearness. I'll close with this quote from a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I've mentioned him I mentioned him Friday, but if you don't know him, find out who he is, read on him. Amazing man. And he said, even Jesus didn't pursue the thieves on the cross. He simply waited for one of them to turn to him. How beautiful. Like, even Jesus wasn't pursuing the thieves on the cross. He just was so good, he waited for one of them to respond and notice him. Oh, I know this, you're different. We deserve what we're getting, but you, I can tell you don't deserve this. I notice what kind of a man you are. So will you let me be with you in paradise? Hey, it's done. Today you'll be with me there. All because he turned and recognized who he was. It's just like when he said to Peter, hey, who do you say I am? Who am I to you, Peter? He's like, oh, some say you're Elijah and you're Moses and you're this and that. He's like, no, who am I to you? He's like, man, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And he says, blessed are you, Peter. This wasn't revealed to you by your wisdom, by your intellect, or by man. It was revealed to you by the pr- the power and the presence and the Spirit of God. And says, upon that revelation, I'm going to build my church. I notice you, God. I see you. Why don't you stand? Let's just pray into that. I don't even know what else to do. We have homework, that's for sure. Take. Do a checklist. When God does something, write it down and remember it. <laughs> and I don't want to just not forget him. I want to remember him. There's a difference between forgetting and not remembering. I don't have time to go into all of that, but I want to be purposeful and look for ways to notice him. Amen? I want to pray I want you just to pray where you're at, uh, into this message, into what we're talking about, and then at the end, we'll pray for needs. Don't leave if you have a need in your heart. Don't, don't leave without us praying. All right? So Lord, we just come to you, and we want to become more aware, like we sing, more aware of your presence. <laughs> Heighten our senses. Increase the sensitivity to you Oh Jesus <coughs> Oh yeah We notice you God We notice you we're going to steward what you're doing. We're going to steward the testimonies. Lord, I ask that you'd bring to mind things that were done a long time ago too. And we want to notice those things still. We want to remember those things, God. We want to notice the things you've even done in this short day already, God. When we noticed you. I noticed you brought my friend Lance today. You know what it does to me when I see Lance, God. It's good for me. Hmm. I notice, God, what you do. You're good. You're a good father. Don't you just tell me as a good dad? You're a good dad. You're the perfect father. You're good. You are the rewarder. And you're the reward too. Yeah. Oh. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth. I may get it mixed up, but the presence of God would come so strong into the room when they would have a meeting, and it would just increase. Like it would the the, the actual manifest presence of God would come into a room, and it would become so strong that people literally couldn't handle it. Like It was like they, were, they got the bends from scuba diving, and their the breath was short, and they would just get tight. They couldn't handle being in the room with the presence. They would have to literally leave and crawl out of the room. And he would keep trying to stay longer and longer in his presence. You know, like, I can, I can endure more. I can stay in here more. And I want the Lord to do that, that we just become really aware of his presence and, and that we have the attitude like, hey, I can stay in here a little longer. I can make it a little longer. I don't want to leave. I don't want to back out. We have to taste you, God. We have to taste and see. No more fairy tales at the bridge church. No more fantasy at the bridge church, God. Move us into the reality of the kingdom that's at hand. (sighs) There's something weighing on your heart. You need prayer, personal ministry. Tilly, the team, people are going to meet you right here at the front. We want to pray for you. There's just a season of breakthrough over lives. And so we want to do that. I also want to say that this time at the end of services, it's very important that if, if there is a sin there's a thing in your life that you know the Lord's saying, hey, this is, needs to be dealt with, you need to confess it to, to one of your fellow believers. The Bible says it's very important to confess our sins one to another. And it says that it's actually the will of God that we do this. So let me, let me say this. You're going to hear that from now on. Because this is a safe place, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Yeah. There's nothing to fear in the presence of God. Amen? Sin is no, no big deal. It's just a mess that we clean up. So who cares what it is? We can clean it up. It may be a big mess, it may be a little, bit, a little mess, but it doesn't matter. We just want to clean the mess up. So if there's anything that you're struggling with, don't, don't go home with it. Don't go home with it. Let's deal with it today. There's, there's healing that comes to the body through confession. Amen? And we've kind of gotten away from that in the church. We like to hide. The only way things are powerful is when they get hidden. The only way sense powerful is when it's hidden. So, uh, come up for front for prayer. You need healing. Anything else? Uh, Attilian, people are moving into place. Um, we just bless your your family time. I, we pray this every season. God bless their family time. Help them have a great Christmas, Lord. Take the pressure of the, the the financial strain off of Chris. Take the pressure off, God. We just relieve that pressure right now. We also ask that you relieve tension in families and bring healing and wholeness, in Jesus' name. And we're going to notice you. Amen.